Hey there, it's Eloisa, your host of The Truth, the podcast where we hear from some of the most extraordinary women who talk about business strategy, entrepreneurship, industry trends, and so much more. We're here to uncover what truly happens behind the scenes and on the journey to leadership because a door opened for these women and we're making sure that that door stays open. Today's guest is Julia Sutton, the co-founder and advisor at Exhale, also serving as the chief growth officer at Vitruvia. Exhale is a well-being destination with locations all across the United States, offering award-winning boutique fitness classes and spa therapies curated to help people meet their health goals. Vitruvia is transforming lives through tissue regeneration. Julia is not only a veteran of the fitness, spa, and wellness industries, she is also deeply committed to bringing health and wellness to the masses. Let's go ahead and dive in. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to come onto The Drift and for sharing such incredible knowledge, which I'm sure that we're going to be able to cover here today. So to kind of go ahead and kick us off, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. And thank you for having me, Elise. I, I love your podcast. I got to listen to many episodes and it's uh, it's very, very cool what you're doing. So uh, I know it's a, a lot of work, so keep up the great work. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, where did I get started? I, I was an athlete in college and was fortunate enough to find a part-time job on my off seasons at this exclusive spa and fitness uh, center in New York City, uh, the Peninsula Spa on Fifth Avenue and 55th Street. This is where my career started. And I really can say I've been a student of the well-being industry ever since. I found many different positions in both fitness and spa with uh, several different companies before having the amazing opportunity to co-found Exhale Enterprises. I can't believe it's been 22 years already, but my professional life really led me to a longtime mentor of mine, Ann Beth Eschbach, who um, invited me to be on the founding team of Exhale and, uh, and got to enjoy that ride of launching Exhale Enterprises. And, you know, Exhale is, was this beautiful combination of both boutique fitness, which interesting enough, the term didn't even exist at the time, and including very accessible spa services. Prior to launching Exhale, you you know, had something very, very exclusive. Not many people went to spas except for very, very wealthy people. Or, you know, it was kind of your grandmother's uh, brand of spa that you, you know, it wasn't as accessible as an Exhale. So we created that space where somebody felt very, very comfortable, no matter what age, gender, uh, you know, anything to come to Exhale. As I was mentioning boutique fitness, we created a hugely popular fitness class called Core Fusion, which is a combination of the Lottie Burke method and bar. And industry experts, Fred DeVito and Elizabeth Halfpap were also uh, part of our founding team that helped popularize this very, very uh, great class um, that we have, you know, Excel still has today. 
So my, my career started in a fitness center and, um, you know, I still very much believe in exercising every day, meditating every day, um, and really taking care of yourself, uh, well-being every day. That's wonderful. And it's also enlightening to hear how your personal journey has evolved in the similar way where the industry has evolved too. And what I mean by that is you started off, Greg, so you started off with fitness, right? And then you unpacked this like broader opportunity. And I think for people like yourself and I, we've been speaking for quite some time, even pre-pandemic, that fitness is a spoke in the wheel of all things wellness. And it's important that we're we're being mindful of movement and meditation. And there's so much more than going to the gym for 30 minutes. There's a lot of things that you can do for overall well-being. And it sounds like that's ultimately been your thesis, hopefully, right, in building out Exhale and, and seeing its scale and grow. Is that right? Absolutely, Elizabeth. And, you know, I think it's it, it was it's the start of, and I think we're at still at a very young evolution of really where this is going. And, um, and the first step was awareness, right? I, I know my parents, they're, they're, to this day, they were still confused on, wait, what do you do? You know, because a gym was not accessible to them when they were growing up, right? And, and now it's, it's just really awareness and then evolving from here. There's so much more that we'll see come uh, uh, in the space. And, and it's just beautiful because it's, helping people live more uh, enriched lives. That's exactly right. Well, on that note, let's definitely talk about the landscape and the changing landscape then of health and wellness. You have seen an extraordinary amount of growth inside the space, especially working with some of the most reputable brands. I mean, you, you just mentioned it, right? Working with Peninsula and then Wellbridge and then also seeing Excel's acquisition to Hyatt. So how do you think about scale in mind, right? How do you think about the balance between you know, following this this playbook, following the processes, the SOPs, and then also adapting to the local market and culture. I know that's a question that multi-unit retail brands always are trying to find the delicate balance between. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and as you just identified, market and culture are two things that are constantly evolving. So there really is no playbook that will ensure success there. It really requires a targeted approach every time. And each approach is augmented right by those key learnings from the past. Most importantly, what assists me in that when I was helping to scale is the most is the extensive network of individuals I have learned from in the past and can continue to rely on them for the future. We developed this beautiful mantra uh, at Exhale on week one, is that we uh, we achieve more together than alone. And I think that's just a really important thing to think about when you are scaling is how do you use your, your knowledge and your resources and as you were saying, the market and culture and get everyone's input before really saying, okay, this is how, where we're headed. This is where we're going. That definitely makes sense. And I'm sure too, along the side of people side of the business, it's important that when you are expanding into local markets, that you are tapping to the local resources that truly do understand the nuances of the, of the market and the community and finding those ways that we can adapt the playbook to what the, what the community is looking for. 
Yeah, a good example of that was when we launched in Bermuda, for example. We didn't have a a lot of local knowledge. Yeah, and um, we were so fortunate to find uh, our director there. Her name is Monique. And she had moved from Bermuda, but moved back. So she even had a lot of history. And it really helped us to, to launch there because she had some local knowledge plus obviously some professional experience in the industry. So I think the combination of those two helped us to to really make that location a success, for example. That definitely makes sense. So we were talking about it through the lens of almost the brand employee or provider. I'm curious in your perspective of what that looks like whenever you're thinking about designing the physical space, making it look and feel similar to, of course, the local market, but then also most importantly, just the overall customer experience. How does that, what does that look like to you whenever you're building out new new studios? Yeah, uh, you know, I think um, the customer experience and, and I think, I personally think why women are so great at building the customer experience is that the first thing to think about is empathy and to think of what, is my customer going through? And we always call them guests, but what is the guest going through, right? From the minute they even maybe pick up the phone to make a reservation or go online to make a reservation today and stepping in the doors of Exhale is, you know, what, what are they expecting? What, you know, what are they going through? And, and we very much uh, work with our teams to uh, a lot of our training took into account, you know, don't, ever take things personally because sometimes the guest will be short on the phone or maybe they you know won't make eye contact when they get there but one of the funnest things we'd always notice was that when they left it was a much different energy than when they came uh, into our doors and 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 I think that's really what you want to think about when designing the customer experiences what is that customer going through what you know how do we create this experience that just really makes their day better. That's why we're here, right? And it could be something as little as, you know, saying, I know you love Locker 12, like, and this was the day that you used to hand Locker keys. It's like, here's Locker 12 for you, (laughs) Um, you know, or I know you love that spot in class right in the front. Guess what? We, we, We reserve that for you and just kind of those little tiny special touches whenever possible. That definitely makes sense. It it goes to this age old, you know, fundamental business ideal that we have to meet the customer where they are. And I think that there have been some, at least like some brands, obviously not exhale, that are designing a space because rightfully so in some cases, right? To some extent that the operator believes like that is what the customers are going to want when it really needs to be flipped on the, the other way around and it needs to be aware of the customers right now. What do yes. they like to do? How do they like to come into a space? What type of emotions do they like to feel? And then also where they're going and trying to find that happy medium and designing the space. Is that right? Oh, 100%. And, you know, we were uh, designing a space uh, today and just thinking about little tiny details of where is this customer? If they're just going to come into the well-being area and they don't want to go into the training rooms, is there a place where they can hang their coat? And it's just one less thing that they have, you have to think about. And then going back to your market specific, guess what? You don't really have to worry about that in Miami as much as you do <laughs> in New York, right? right? So really treating every experience like it's different. Yes, for sure. 
That definitely makes sense. So now I'm curious too, one of the most important parts of the customer experience is the employee experience and the providers and what they're delivering, the experience, as I like to say, we keep seeing the word experience here, but it makes sense, Um, what they're providing. And from an operator's perspective, how do you put into practice implementing wellness and well-being and healthy living inside the workplace? What does that look like to you? You know, it's a great topic because, you know, I think when the pandemic and quarantine happened, really a kind of workplace revolution occurred under the radar. A lot of people really started to look inward and realize that there, in a lot of cases, their health and well-being was not being supported by their employer. And pre-pandemic, we could argue that a lot of these people were just riding the wave, right, kind of blissfully unaware of, you know, that maybe this was happening to them at their their workplace. And um, this all gave us an opportunity to slow down and shed light on, you know, let's let's face it, a little bit of ignorance that people became more aware, um, the need to take care of our health in our own hands. And uh, I I would have to say that's probably one of the biggest things um, as a leader that I really got to witness and see happen um, because in, you know, in any hospitality, people are going and they want to serve and, but, you know, we have to really take care of our teams in order for them to, to be able to serve. You know, the past few years has really given a lot more to like people talk to culture, but how do you really focus on what matters also to your, your teams And, you know, we talked about those little things, right, that you can do for your customers. It's the same thing with your teams is, oh, my gosh, yesterday was Halloween. Can we figure out, you know, how we can maybe let people go a little bit earlier so that they could have a few hours of daylight trick or treating? Um, You know, maybe we could even start their schedules earlier that day so that they get their hours that they wanted in. Um, So it's just these little tiny things that you can do from time to time for your teams to make sure that they do have that work-life balance. And I have to say, it's really hard in the hospitality industry because, um, you know, you can't can't work remotely, right? You have to be there hands-on. So so I do think it's really taking those things into account and and making sure that your team feels very heard and um, taken care of. That makes sense. And I think that employees, and correct me if I'm wrong too, if you have a different perspective on this, I think what employees need or what they feel that they need from their employers to be a part of the team and to feel like they're being recognized, it's completely shifted over the past few years. I think if you probably, if we had this discussion maybe 10, 15 years ago, compensation was probably the main and primary driver to what drove an employee to stay with an employer. Nowadays, it's it's overall corporate well-being, right? Is that kind of what you're seeing? A hundred percent. And, you know, some of that well-being, though, is tied to compensation. And so it's saying, how do we create this, you know, and sometimes, you know, government, as you can see, is stepping in and making sure that it happens through minimum wage requirements and what have you. But how do you create more of an even playing field that maybe someone doesn't need to work two jobs, right? And um, in order to make ends meet. Um, so yes, I, I definitely believe, you know, compensation is is also a driver of it, but it's 
It's really balanced with people try to find their community at work. And the thing that makes me the happiness is when I see the teams that I have led, they are still in touch 10 years later or 15 years later. And I see them on social media going out for, you know, a drink or, you know, celebrating somebody's birthday. And, you know, I think that's really what it's about is creating that community um, at work because we spend a lot of time and energy there as well. That definitely makes sense. And you're right. It's because we're spending pretty much almost half of our life there, if anything, not more. Right. Right. Well, that's helpful to hear. So let's kind of go back into uh, really what's happening in this space and how you've seen it to evolve. The global spa market size was valued at around $47 billion in 2020 and is now expected to reach around $53 billion by 2028. So I'm sure that spa operators have benefited greatly from this growth and are seeing more and more customization and the digitization of the experience. So I know we definitely want to be able to touch them here today. So let's talk about this more of like digitization, the digital transformation of this above the industry. And in the sector, I'm curious in your perspective of how you've seen technology truly become more integrated into the experience and almost to becoming an enabler for business growth. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm really going to date myself here because when I first started in the spa industry, we actually had paper and pencil scheduling. (laughs) So, um, you know, and this was for both for fitness, personal training and spa. Um, So just think about it. No texts. We had to physically call a landline to confirm appointments Uh, We, you know, we perform fitness testing with actual calipers for body fat, you know, instead of stepping on uh, maybe a a piece of digital equipment to kind of get some of those markers or readers. Um, And we really had not much in terms of automated digital marketing capabilities. It was really two things. It was direct mail, which was, you know, very manual, right, and very actually very expensive too. Um, And really um, the biggest thing was if you were able to get some significant PR and um, get published in an article in a magazine or a newspaper. Um, And that was really the way you had to drive business. Now, the thing that still remains the same and very important, both of those things is referrals. Word of mouth was everything back then and it really still is. There's, just, there's a way to obviously much more uh, digitalize that, but I think that's the thing that remains constant. And especially in the, the well-being industries where you need a trusted voice in order to even try something, right, or to actually go visit. I, I equate it very much similar to a restaurant. I'm sure you wouldn't go to a restaurant if you saw an ad for it. It's more your friend told you that was the, the greatest food and great experience. It's the same way. Um, And then, you know, I think another thing that uh, has changed but really remains the same is the people on your team, as we talked about, uh, and how important that 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 existed 20 something years ago and still exists today. Um, And I think it's organizing the special team with different strengths um, and and that, you know, you really should surround yourself with individuals that may 
not exactly be like yourself, but actually contribute something different than what you're contributing. So in terms of digitalizing too, it's how do you make that experience easier for your teams too? So scheduling out and being able to take a break really quickly and put that on the books, um, those things have, have really um, helped to, uh, to, to digitalize a lot of those things. That definitely makes sense. Now I'm going back to my studio days in the fitness world and seeing how it's evolved. Here you talked about so many, so many funny things. I have so many stories on of having to go to the post office with probably 10 boxes of direct mail letters. Yeah. It, was, it was heavy, right? And you're like, all right, how do I get all of these stamped? It is so, so heavy. And that not to mention too, I mean, it took around five to seven times, if not more, for us to actually be able to see some sort of return on the mm-hmm. mailers. And then Facebook ads came into play. And back in the day, you'd be able to know exactly what you were going to get if you were going to put $10 in an ad. That is not the case anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. It was almost <laughs> back then. On the, the last point that you had touched upon is the employee experience. and. I remember back then too how amazing it was to see how technology was not and this is I think this is a balance too that the fitness health and wellness industry has had to learn over the past few years as there was these question marks of is technology replacing the staff is technology replacing in the fitness world the coach the trainer and it really is about this this perfect blend and balance of the human touch with automated and digital solutions. And then from a staff perspective, you talked about a lot of really interesting a lot of interesting points here with scheduling. And my and in my world, it was a dashboard that I could easily peek in to understand what the studio performance or a, a fitness spa or fitness gym's performance was on a daily basis. Who, what credit cards have to t- are, are upcoming to decline, what members need to are up for a renewal, and really just giving us a deeper, easier, and quicker snapshot of what's happening so that we can take action. So there's always still like this human action that that would come into play. So any other perspectives on the employee and provider experience as it relates to how tech and these digital solutions have elevated the experience for them? Yeah, I think you 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 summed it up really good. It's really going, you know, you will never replace that human experience, um, especially, you know, let's say when it comes to a massage or facial, people really want that hands-on experience. Listen, we may come up with robotic massages, which I know are, are right on the forefront here. And that's going to be a great supplement. And as you were saying, in addition, I think if we just can just keep adding on to all of the great things in the industry, but I think that human experiences, and we saw that right during the pandemic, especially is, you know, people just wanted to connect with other people. Thank goodness for Zoom, right? You were actually able to see them and connect. And um, and I think that'll be really important as we move forward is how, how do we combine those two with the hands-on and and the technology um, and, and not lose sight of, you know, we do need to, to, to get together. That definitely makes sense. So as we look into the future, what do you look forward to when we think about where this industry is going? Well, I look forward to, as I was saying, that whole, well, you know, being a student of the well-being, I, I, I look forward to us evolving. I know me personally learning. I've 
Um, now being with these doctors at Vitruvia, I'm learning more on the scientific and medical side. And how does that tie into, um, you know, what we're doing in the well-being side? And I think it's, um, it's going to be interesting to not always look for the quick fix. I think we've gotten there on the well-being side just so that people can kind of comprehend and understand. But I think that's going to go a lot deeper. I think we're going to learn more about individual needs. It's not always going to be this cookie cutter approach, like, you know, the next fad diet, for example, it's going to be, you know, what is my body type? What is my blood type? And how is it different than yours? And how can we both maximize our, you know, performance and and well-being every day? So I'm excited for it to get a little bit more personalized, a little bit more not so, you know, this fast, easy way. But how do I look at this as more of a marathon versus a sprint when it comes to, to my living a very, very healthy life? And I'm re- I have three young daughters, so I'm just excited to see how evolved people are already, you know, that it, it, I wasn't able to have access to all of these great things and well-being even when I was growing up. So it's going to be really great to see the generations, the younger generations, how their life is even going to be able to be lived, you know, even a fuller experience when it comes to well-being. Sure. And on the note of personalization, we're seeing even deeper investments, both time investments and also capital investments too, to researching women's health, you know, as you, as you mentioned with your daughters, like we're learning so much more about, and thankfully too, probably because of the technology and access to education. Um, we're so, we're learning so much more of how we can adapt to the individual as it relates to their health and wellness. And that's, that's going to help. That's going to help for the long run. Well, Eddie, exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself and Exhale and Vitruvia, all the things that you're working on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, some of the things we touched on is how do we, um, you know, continue to expand and have these offerings, you know, in different cities and um, digitally and um, just really making it frictionless for people to participate um, because as a nation, let's face it, even though we have all of these things, we're seeing, you know, people are get are, are sicker than ever. Um, so I am really excited about, you know, making it more accessible, both from a financial perspective, but just really from a logistical perspective. And, um, you know, and, and my, my hope is that, you know, people can find this easy path to being well. And that's what gets me out of bed every day is um, just both mentally and physically, right? We're seeing a lot of this come out of the pandemic. So I am, um, I, that's what I live for every day. And, and, and like you were saying, you're seeing this investment in it, which will you know, ultimately lead to people having more access to it, which is really exciting. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Well, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Well, first of all, uh, it's, it, it is so rewarding, um, but it is a lot of work. So, um, you know, I think a person that's really venturing into this entrepreneurship has a lot of work to do to try to clear out what's expected of them 
um, because I think, you know, in our society, you have social media and you kind of lead down this path of like, oh, wow, maybe I should be doing this or this is socially accepted. But really, and you hear this a lot, but it's so true is saying, what am I really passionate about? And, you know, what is going to get me to jump out of bed every day? And it's so different for everybody. So I would um, really encourage one that's thinking of this is to really not do what you think you should be doing, just because it sounds right, or you saw it on social media, but really what lights your fire, and then believe in it, you have to truly believe in it every day. Um, and, and, and we go back to that mantra, you achieve more together than alone is, you know, reach out. There's a lot of great resources now um, for these entrepreneurs to get support, get advice. And, um, you know, just uh, you said there's funds out there for this. And uh, I think if you're doing the right thing and staying focused on on, on the right uh, thing, you, you will be very, very successful. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Julia, for your time. You shared a wealth of knowledge of how the health and wellness industry has evolved, what it needs to continue growing, and also where it's headed. Looking to hear more about happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.